From the Stacks Star Wars themed episode of How's Things, the podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Nick Gunning. Today, my guest is Amanda Smith, the finance and acquisition specialist here at the David A. Howe Public Library, who's just a hair's breadth away from hitting her 10 year mark here at the library. Amanda, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. It occurs to me as we're sitting here, you've been on the show multiple times at this point, but once we were recording up in the museum room, the teen loft now. Right. Twice was quarantine. Right. And here we are. This is the first time we're actually using the official podcasting equipment together in my office. In-house. What a magical experience this is. <laughs> How's it going? How are you? How's your Star Wars life lately? Pretty good. Pretty good. I am revisiting the Star Wars Clone Wars series. Oh, okay. That's entirely on yeah. Disney Plus if you have it, which is okay. great. I've not watched the latest update with the newest season yeah. yet, but I'm re I'm going back through just to catch back up to okay. anything that I've missed and all, right. all of that, which is all right. A good revisit so far? Yeah, so far so good. Okay. I enjoy it. All right. Before we dive into our full slate of Star Wars topics, let's uh let's still do a little bit of bookmark here on this special episode. So Amanda, what have you been reading non-Star Wars? We can talk non-Star Wars for this segment of the podcast. Anything interesting you finished that you want to share? Non-Star Wars. I'm in the middle of a series at the moment by David Baldacci. Oh. Uh, it doesn't have like a series name per okay. se, but the first one is the, is it the Target? Okay. And then the next one is The Hit, which is the second one that I just finished. So who's the main character in that? Uh, it's Will Roby. Oh, okay. No, I haven't read those. He's like a CIA operative. Yeah. And in the first one, he kind of has to go off grid because there's this kid that he finds okay. that's in trouble and interlinks with his ongoing case. But of course, there's a mole in the CIA oh, itself. Oh, yes. So, you okay. know, plot thickens. Yeah. He teams up with the FBI to uh -huh. overtake everything and figure things out. Similarly with the second one, except it's a CIA operative who is targeted okay. and she's actually not really the bad guy. Spoiler oh. alert. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So okay, but it's an interesting series. And then I have also been reading the Artemis Fowl series. Oh, okay. My which, brother loved those. I've never. I don't even know what it is. Like, I mean, I know that the books exist, but I don't know anything about the story. Right. So Artemis Fowl is like this genius mastermind, and he's also a criminal. Oh, interestingly enough. Okay. And so, it depends on whether you're going by the movie or the book. Okay. Series. I haven't read the whole series, so I can't tell you everything about it. Okay. But essentially, he's exploiting fairies to try and get their technology and their <laughs> i know i know this is not where i th okay all right <laughs> it's an interesting crossover it's, between yeah. realism and fantasy I'll at say. the same time sure. so it's an interesting mesh between the two yeah and the movie's interesting as well but it's clear that they try and combine elements of different books okay and just kind of blend it all together in a few hours and i think one of the things that they struggled with was how how do we depict a criminal mastermind in a 12-year-old yes. and make it appealing to children and so that parents right. aren't like, yeah, we don't want you to watch this. Yeah, well, because then you kind of run into like a Doogie Howser syndrome, right? Where it's like, how do you take this seriously? So that must right. be another sort of step of... Right, it adds an interesting element. And I apologize for that dated reference of Doogie Howser, <laughs> but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, um, it's done by Kenneth Branagh, which is... Oh, that's right. Yeah, I enjoy his work a yeah. lot, so yeah. cinematography-wise, it's very interesting. You know, we just watched Murder on the Orient Express for the first time. I'd never oh, seen it. I so, I mean, it looks great. One. It looks great. Yeah. I found the movie a little dull, if I'm being honest, oh. but but visually, yeah, it's great. Yeah, visually, he's always really good. Yeah, I agree. 
having yeah. that kind of mindset. Okay. So this is the first time you're reading Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Was it the movie that encouraged you to read it or you no, just... No, I, okay. I started with the first book, read the second book, and then decided I would also watch the movie just to see what kind of comparison it was because okay. I thought it would just be the movie was based on the first book, but I saw elements of the first two books. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, which was All right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Which was cool. All right. Well, I my brother's always recommending those, so maybe I'll actually have to check it out one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Books are better than the movie. That's what. I, that's usually the case. Yeah, There's true. some rare exceptions, but yeah. True. All right. So I've read a few things just like on the fly. We we I did a little uh, little vacation, a little weekend getaway with just my son, he and I. And so we got some things to do over there. He got a big Lego set. I uh, checked out a Western from the library called Lawless Prairie by Charles G. West. Nice. It was a just a quick little paperback, and it was. You know, it explored a lot of the regular tropes. He's, you know, he's like, he's an outlaw with a heart of gold, you know. <laughs> but it was fun. And I did, you know, it was perfect for what I wanted to just kind of sit down and plow through it over the course of a couple of evenings while Legos were happening. So there you go. Good times. We did a whole Western episode, Eric and I, early on the All the Books show, episode 35, All the Books Goes West, where we talked about some of our favorite Westerns. And we had made the mistake of watching The Ridiculous Six, the Adam Sandler movie oh. on Netflix. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It left scars. It left scars. I'm sure it did. Um, also, and things that I really should know better, but did anyway, uh, I read Revenge by James Patterson and Andrew Holmes. So I didn't... You read James Patterson? I read some of his you read stuff, Patterson? yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, you usually know what you're going to get here, and that was that was true for this one. I didn't realize until I started reading this that this actually, this character, David Shelley, actually started in one of Patterson's book shots. Do you remember that? Oh. Failed experiment where yes. we got... Yes. Three little paperbacks every week. It was crazy. Yes. There was one called Hunted that was uh, by Patterson and Andrew Holmes that introduced this character of David Shelley. And actually, we did a Patterson episode, episode 102, James Patterson at last, and we decided we were all going to read a bookshot. It was Eric and me and my brother Stephen, and we read Hunted by James Patterson, and it broke all of our brains, <laughs> you know? And so as soon as I was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is that same dumb character. I know this character. Yes. And... This one also could have been a bookshot. It was oh, a full-length yeah. novel, but there was not enough content for it. So it was just like, okay. Painful all right, getting through it, though. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. And usually, when I'm in the right mood, I can sort of turn my brain off and just sail through a James Patterson and be like, well, that was stupid, but right. fun. <laughs> this one stopped at stupid. Never quite <laughs> Never crested. Never reached the fun. Yeah. Point. That's unfortunate. Yes, I know. I know. Currently, I've got two in the list here. I picked up A House at the Bottom of the Lake by Josh Mallerman. The only thing I've read by him is Bird Box. Have you read read or seen the movie Bird Box? I have not. Like, I've seen trailers and stuff for the movie itself, but haven't read the book, haven't yeah. seen the movie. Yeah, so I've never seen the movie, actually. Interesting I've, concept. I've only read the book, and okay. it works pretty well. It's one of those things where you have to just sort of like, all right, I accept the premise, and then... Right, and then go with it. Keep going. And that's been reality. That's been true of House at the Bottom of the Lake so far. Uh, it's It's really just about a couple of teenagers who find a... House oh, I read the trail at yeah, the bottom I read of the, the lake. The blurb at the, of this book, I thought it was a very, and very I'm, strange concept. I'm very intrigued so far, so we'll see how that plays out. The other one that I've been anticipating is the new John Grisham book, Suli, which is oh, about yes, the basketball. Player. Yeah, yeah. And so he wrote wrote a baseball one several years ago now called Calico Joe, which I'd always intended to read and never actually did. Uh, the other sports book of his, Playing for Pizza, is about a an NBA or not NBA NFL player who's kind of washed out of the leagues and goes and plays football in Italy. That's actually really good. Yeah. So I'm excited about Suli. 
Uh, and that's sort of next on my list. So it's that, definitely a break from his normal it is. law yeah. kind of vein that he travels in. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like the third of his little sports trilogy, I guess. I like we'll that he branches he out like that, though. It's very yeah. atypical. Yeah. He's but... got some weird, like a painted house is another one that's just like historical fiction. It's not a lawyer thing. He's got a nonfiction. He's got short stories and uh, children's books as well, like Junior. That's true. The Theodore yeah. Boone series. There. You know what? We did a whole John Grisham episode on, on the All the Books show as well. So go to soundcloud.com slash all the books or anywhere you get your podcasts and find some of that magic. That was an early up. Uh, the reason why we're here today is because it's May 4th. May and that's 4th. that is Star Wars Day. That's true. So do you have your Star Wars Day decorations up, Amanda? I don't, but I have <laughs> Star Wars t shirts that I okay. get done tomorrow. Yep. So that'll be fine. That's yep, that's fair. That's fair. I do have my uh, Darth Vader mug. That our old pal Katura Cappadonia got me several years ago. Uh, so I'm, I feel like I'm in a celebratory mood. Amanda and I chose some books to read today. Actually, we chose one book and weren't really liking it. So we chose a backup <laughs> graphic novel so we didn't have to do a whole episode about a book we don't like. Which I think is what we did last time with that Alan Dean Foster. No, I think we, we just read that one book, yeah. but then we talked about different Star Wars. True. I don't remember where you landed on that. It was the approaching storm. It was kind of meh. Yeah. I mean, it was... I liked it better the first time that I read it when I was a teenager. Yeah. Now having more books under my belt, Mm -hmm. like, this is taking forever to get into. It's all... It was mostly just political back and forth. Not your typical, oh, we're having a lightsaber battle. That's right. It's coming back to me now. Yeah, that's one where it's like, you felt like you were missing, like, the action half of it. It was very... There was so much plotting, travel, I thought. So much yeah, it was just aspects. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm not sure that we did much better uh, <laughs> this year, but the book we're going to be talking about is Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. So let's go ahead and do that. I have a few other Star Wars questions that I want to ask you, but let's let's talk Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. So this is it's you know, it's the first of the adult books in the New High Republic line that they're doing so they're doing junior level books they're doing ya they're doing comics and graphic novels and of course adult fiction here and light of the jedi was kind of the launching point for the adult books anyway so i'm going to read you the publisher's synopsis are you ready amanda oh i'm ready okay <laughs> long before the first order before the empire before the clone wars jedi lit the way for the galaxy in the high republic it is a golden age and Tri- you got to picture this as a scrawl right would you like me to lean right. backwards <laughs> I think we needed the opening Star Wars theme music, I'll lean backwards and slowly walk away from you as I read this. It is a golden age. Intrepid hyperspace scouts expand the reach of the Republic to the farthest stars. Worlds flourish under the benevolent leadership of the Senate, and peace reigns. Enforced by the wisdom and strength of the renowned order of Force users known as the Jedi. With the Jedi at the height of their power, the free citizens of the galaxy are confident in their ability to weather any storm. But even the brightest light can cast a shadow, and some storms defy any preparation. When it, there's more, so just hold on. Just buckle <laughs> up. When a shocking catastrophe in hyperspace tears a ship to pieces, the flurry of shrapnel emerging from the disaster threatens an entire system. Dun, dun, dun. Which I would argue makes exactly no sense. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. We'll save though. We'll save it. No sooner does the call for help go out than the Jedi race to the scene. The scope of the emergence, however, is enough to push even Jedi to their limit. As the sky breaks open and destruction rains down upon the peaceful alliance they helped to build, the Jedi must trust in the Force to see them through a day in which a single mistake could cost billions of lives. Even as the Jedi battle valiantly against calamity, something truly deadly grows beyond the boundary of the Republic. The hyperspace disaster is far more sinister than the Jedi could ever suspect. A threat hides in the darkness, far from the light of the age, and harbors a secret that could strike fear into even a Jedi's heart. 
Fear is the path to the dark side, though. This is true. Don't you think that's problematic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to try to avoid spoilers in this. Is <laughs> it a, it is a, is it a spoiler to say that this was so boring? <laughs> uh, Do you think? N- no. All right. I mean, we talked about it a little bit we before. Did. And I was referencing Mockingjay. Like, yeah. part one of Mockingjay yeah. was just... I'm sorry, really boring. Yeah. Because there was so uh the movie. The the book the book itself is fine. Yeah, yeah. But part one of the movie Mocking Jay, it takes so long and yes. it's just setting the stage yes. for everything. Yeah. And this sort of felt like that. You were reading through and you were like, Wait, I agree. there's a billion characters here and oh I can't remember their names. Yes. So so for setup, and it's kind of in the synopsis here, but there is this big catastrophe, and that's how you start. And I actually thought, okay, this is a cool way to yeah, start yeah. a book because you have a clock at the top. It's like what, eighty minutes till right, whatever right. it is. Till impact, till impact, yeah. And each chapter gets like closer and closer and closer. You're like, what's happening? Yes, and you'd think that that would sort of build anticipation, but like, I mean, you met, you said it. It's just every chapter introduces like fifteen new characters. Yeah, and And I don't even know. Keep track of them. I honestly don't know if that's an exaggeration. You know what (laughs) I mean? True. Maybe we could kindly say each chapter introduces five to seven. that's what it feels but like. But it's so many all at once. You're just like, where am I? I would Who are say these that people? this is impossible to follow. It, yes, it was very. Hard. And I, this is one where I like I read it and I instantly looked for the reviews and specifically were seeking out reviews of people who agreed with me. But what I found is that it is pretty split. There's a lot of people oh, who were okay. like, "This is an amazing setup for a new era," and a lot of people who were like, "What?" <laughs> because often in a book like this, you'll at least have like a cast of characters at the beginning. You don't get that here. Right. And, there's and I, n- they've done this for numerous Star Wars books before because there are a lot of characters And there's that you have to keep no of. more that could have needed this than more this than this. Because truly, I mean, I, when you look at like Wikipedia or something like that and it lists the characters, it's endless. It just goes oh, yeah. on and on and on and on and on. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know who. I put the book down for a week and then picked it back up again. And I remembered maybe two characters. Yeah. And so every chapter, though, switches between different yes. places. Like different, different pairings. Planets, yeah. Different people. Yep. Different scenarios that are out playing out yeah. and everything. And you're just like, where? Yeah. who are these people? And I it's forget. not like... I mean, I've read books like that that have a million characters. But it does, it does something to kind of anchor each character. And I don't think this book does that. No, it sort of felt all over the place. It's it's not even a thumbnail sketch. It's just kind of like name, position, and then they do this thing, and then we move on. Name, yes. position. Very true. And there's no way... I even think... the names themselves, I don't think, are particularly... like Catchy. No. <laughs> and so I was I think really... I remember three characters, yeah. particularly. Yeah. Like, I thought the main character, particularly because the cover of the book has just this range of Jedi in the front yeah. with like a woman as a focal point. Yeah. And the one jedi that they focus on a little bit towards the beginning is avar chris yeah and i thought oh okay she's our main character we'll focus on her she's our anchor point yeah but then again like we said it just kind of spans out from there and you're wondering wait yeah where are we it's really it's hard it is and i've read so before this i actually read one called test of courage by justina ireland and that's the junior level one. We read that uh, in a book club that I do with some friends. And we read it primarily because I like that author. Like We, we had her on the show last year, episode 240, uh, talking about her her Deathless Divide book and um, the Lando book she was writing. But she gave us a little tease about this series. And I think looking back on that interview, and we've called back to this many times, 
But she made the point of saying that this really was like a big writer's room kind of process where all these books are kind of happening together and they're making sure they're staying tight with continuity and they're making sure that the characters are consistent from one to the next. When she was laying that out, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. That's such a good idea. Because that was something that I feel like the old expanded universe did pretty well with. Yeah. But with a more loose construct, you know, it was like things would carry over, but it wasn't necessarily like... Hard and fast. You yeah, yeah. This. It was kind of like it would... Nothing Nothing you'd read in the old expanded universe, and there are exceptions, but for the most part, nothing would be like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Because right. of, of cor- in the courtship of Princess right. Leia, you know, there was nothing really <laughs> like that. It was, it was relatively smooth. And so I thought, well, good. I'm glad they're being proactive yeah. about this new wave here. So was there interweave between the Justina Ireland book and this one? There was some... Well, yeah, because that that also is kind of dealing with the follow... I think maybe... Um, and I didn't really think about this until I was in here, but I think they're sort of dealing with a crash ship, and I think that book is maybe in the aftermath of this one. Okay. But it wasn't really... A, like, I didn't feel lost up. reading that other one. It was yeah. just kind of like a crash ship. I understand what that means. I don't need to have read this book, so <laughs> that was fine. But... I think maybe instead of making sure, just having like making sure it were consistent, what's happening is this format is really hamstringing these books and making it so it's like, oh, can you mention this character? You know, they're kind of doing So that we can build from there in later later books and everything. And it kind of feels like they're doing a reverse Avengers situation. Oh, as opposed to like origin story and then bring them all together. Like like you said, who's the character you thought we were following? Avar Chris. Yes. If this would have been about that character or if it would have been about like Belle or one of the others. And that would have been like the primary character and we get sprinklings of other characters. We could have expanded from there. Yes. Yeah. And that would have been easier to follow. But instead, this just becomes like They're a like homework assignment. Explosion characters. Yeah. Here like you go. You need to be reading this and underlining the characters' names and making your own sketch to have any hope of following it. Yeah. You know? That's true. And I feel like if they would have done the exact reverse of that, been building towards some like major crossover event, use this event, use this big disaster in space as your like Avengers moment where you can bring all these characters together. Right. Okay. But to start by giving you, I I don't even know, 40, 50 characters. Something like that. I just don't, for me, this just didn't work at all. I found this book a chore to read. I I thought it was difficult, but I do feel like towards the end there was some hope because I was following some. I feel like there was it, actually more focus. It tightens, the end. yes, it tightens a little in part two. Like once you kind of get over the calamity, when you're dealing with more the political, you know, the the um, what is it, the chancellor or what? What do they call that character? Yeah, she's the chancellor. Okay, yeah. When you're kind of following her and and dealing with the aftermath, and then we're sort of introducing some villains, then I think it gets a little bit more manageable. But by then, you're, you know, hundreds of pages into this book, right, and you just right. sort of are like, So as a new okay. reader, you would really need to just buckle down and be like, okay, just get through like the first several yeah. 150 pages, yeah. and then it will maybe start making sense, hopefully. Yeah. But even then, I don't think the characters from the beginning ever really crystallize, at least not for no. me. Yeah, it's hard. And there's not, you don't see a lot of character growth in a lot of ways, no. just because, I mean, maybe with the character Belle. Yeah, okay. At the same time, though, because there are so many characters, it's not like the author has the opportunity to say, let's grow this character in these ways. Yeah, You just kind of get tidbits of information as you go, and then you're like, who are these people? Yeah. I don't really know them very well. Yeah. Well, that's that's just what I mean about, like, a reverse Avengers, you know? Like, take something like the Thor movie, where you have Hawkeye in there for, like, 
a minute. Right. You know, but he's like, he was cool. He made an impact. He's in and he's out. But like, you're kind of waiting for that character to come back. Right. And you know I nothing about they it. absolutely could have followed a similar pattern like this. Definitely. Let Belle be our like window in and she bumps into these other people. She interacts with these other people. And those are things that could kind of stick in your head. So when you're reading a book about that character, you could be like, oh, right. I remember that. But instead, it's just like. I don't know. It's like when you're a kid and you have like a big tub of action figures and you just dump them out. That's what this book felt like to <laughs> right, me. Right, right. Yeah. I don't have many positive things to say. I I mean, to be honest, I am kind of interested to see what the second book will look like. Okay. I think I will tread in that direction and see if maybe there's more of a focal point. Yeah. Do you know if it's going to be done? Because I know that in the extended universe, especially towards when they were ending, there was kind of this crossover point where... One author did one, one did the next, and it was like a series yeah. kind of jump around. I don't I don't really know. I, I okay. think it's looser than a series. I think it's more like an umbrella. Like this is the time frame in which we're working. Okay. You know? Um I will say, I guess, the the villains, the the hill. How did you say that? Um yeah, the, oh I said the Nihil. Okay, we'll go with that. Well, that's fine, either way. Um I think they have promise. Yeah. As villains. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that they can kind of hold their own against the Jedi and without spoiling some things, they've they've got some advantages. Right. You know, and how they're able to and you did see, maneuver. And you did see character growth, particularly with the worst villain. Yes. I think that was the most character yes. growth. Yes. You yeah. see a drastic change in his position yeah. and just his growth and you get to see his evilness yes. a lot more clearly. Yeah. And kind of like, oh, he's had this developing plan all along as opposed yeah. to... I think I'll do this. I guess, I, I mean, it's it just keeps coming back to criticisms, but I just feel like the reason why you, you start a book the way you did is to give it like a big action and a drive to kind of ease you in to the slower, more political, more conversational second half. Right. But I think that only works if you're given some characters. Right. You know? So instead, it was just like a cacophony, you know, that didn't right. really... I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of like, it was just a jarring noise, like you yeah. said, with the cacophony. Yeah. yeah. And there's a bit of a disconnect. I, I I mean, it wouldn't work entirely, but I almost feel like you could lop off the first and be like, there was a big catastrophe. Yes. And then start, you know? <laughs> right. And the Jedi helped solve right. this catastrophe. Yeah. yeah. And here's our characters and moving on. One thing that bothered me about Test of Courage was that this is supposed to be a long, long time before even the prequels. Right. And yet the world feels exactly the same. Like it the does. kind of technology that they're using, the way society functions really doesn't feel different. I think the only difference that I noticed in particular was this concept of looking at hyperspace. And yes. it was almost like they had only just stumbled upon or figured yes. out how to maneuver through it. And then with this this collision in space, in hyperspace and mm -hmm. everything, there's the question of, oh, well, is there something wrong? Do we need to shut down the yeah. lanes? How are we going to deal with this, et cetera, et cetera? I do think this one was a little bit better in that regard, S setting aside or making you realize this is a different time right. than Test of Courage was. But I still would have liked a little more. Yeah. I mean, you don't get a lot of information about what their ship capability is. No. Actually, I mean, in particular with the, the Jedi vector ships, yeah. it almost seems like, well, I mean, it is the high order to be honest. Yeah. So they have a lot more ability with force and stuff, but it almost seems like they're far more advanced than they were yeah. at the prequel stage yeah. when the Jedi order was still doing really well. And there were some things about the way the Jedi interacted with the force that was different in this, which was interesting. Like the way there was a character who viewed the force like musically. Oh, 
Oh yeah. Remember that? And yeah, I thought or that was cool. Or some were like waves. And yes. Yeah. They each had their own their own perception of it in certain different ways. Yeah. So I got to give it props there that that was at least a different thing to explore. Right. Though I feel like they're they've done that a little bit with like Mace Windu or something in in some of the expanded uh, universe that had come before. But yeah, regardless, that was an interesting aspect that I did enjoy and would have liked more of it. Right. You know? Yeah, it would have been interesting to tease that out just to see how each of them perceived it somewhat differently. Yeah. I think it's really hard to launch a series without a protagonist. Ugh, yes. I really do. Without I, a very clear... I just don't... I don't know who I'm following at this point. Just like the whole world. I think that's probably the concept. You're just following the whole world. And yeah. I just don't... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I was just thinking of it. I was like, well, who's the protagonist of our story if you had to narrow it down? And almost in some ways, it just feels like the galaxy. Right. The it is. Yeah. I think it is. So I feel like in some ways, you get a really good concept of... What was it? Chancellor Lowe? Is that yeah. her name? Yeah. Yeah. Of what her, the the massive weight that she carries in terms yeah. of her job and everything of trying to make sure that yeah. the galaxy stays together. And I was like, whew, I would not want her position. No, no, <laughs> I know. I know, yeah. So she she does get some play. The main villain gets some play. I guess out of the Jedi, I would have to give it to Belle as yeah. the most prominent character. Yeah. But even so, she feels like a side character. Yeah. So I, he does. He does. Yeah. I know Charles Sewell primarily as a comic book author. I know I've read some of his X-Men as well as some of his Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, and I typically like his stuff. For Star Wars, specifically in the comic book world, he wrote the whole Poe Dameron series. Oh, okay. And that's, I enjoyed that series, but it's one of those situations where, again, you can kind of feel that the author's handcuffed to whatever continuity is coming in the next movies. That's true. So it's like, Poe's not really able to grow as a character in that series because you need him to be wherever the movies need him. So that's, that's Yeah, I feel like it would be hard for an author in some ways to work in that construct. Yeah. I mean, it can be freeing in some ways because you're like you're not overwhelmed by, oh, I have so many options. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're accustomed to working in that vein of everything's open, everything's yeah. on the table, then you're you're chained, like you said, mm-hmm. to just whatever the the movie producers and everything say as a go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why sometimes working on things that are already established, like Sewell also did a a standalone Lando, uh, which was decent. But I think if I was going to recommend Charles Sewell's Star Wars, it would be his Obi-Wan and Anakin graphic novel. Okay. Because that's, I mean, of course, those characters have been (laughs) very, very richly mined. This is true. But he does sort of almost like a steampunk story with the two of them. And I just thought it worked really well. Oh, interesting. So if you're going to read a, a Charles Sewell Star Wars, that's where I would suggest you go. It's really hard to say without knowing where this series is going to go, whether or not this is required reading or even recommended reading. I can tell you as a reader and as a Star Wars fan, I did not enjoy it. But there's a lot of people who absolutely loved it and see something in here that I'm missing. So I guess I would take more of a wait and see kind of approach, see what comes next. And if it really seems like, okay, you definitely have to read this. Um, Y'all are going to have to chime in and let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I need some, I need some guidance there. What do you think? Would you recommend it? Uh, I don't know as it would be a book that I would recommend, especially if someone is just entering the star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. It is not a good way to start. I don't think. Yeah. I think it's too cumbersome and too difficult to follow. Yeah. But um, if you're into the Star Wars universe and you're already following it and you're willing to put in the time and effort mm-hmm. and you want to expand your horizons, yeah. again, it's kind of a wait and see at this point as to say, oh, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, Just get past the first book and you'll be fine. Yeah. I, I can't say as I would recommend it. Yeah, I agree. You know, I hope I hope that it's sort of a situation like to use a Star Trek parallel. The first Star Trek movie is, you know, it's very long. There's a lot of like just oh, yes. shots of the Enterprise, you know. 
I like it as a Star Trek fan, like in hindsight, but I would never be like, oh, you've never seen Star Trek? Watch the motion picture. Never. But The Wrath of Khan, which kind of like is almost like a fresh start, you know, goes forward and kind of sets the tone. Possibly that's what we'll have here with the High Republic. You know, they've got this first slate of of books and then they're going to sort of be like, okay, here's what we need to do and sort of figure it out going forward. I'm optimistic that that will happen. Yeah. Same. I don't think it happens here. Uh, before we dive into our graphic novel, though, I wanted to ask you a question that I did not prepare you for. All right. And that is, since the last time we talked, what are some Star Wars things that you have uh, either read or watched and enjoyed? Well, let's see. So just within the past year. I can tell you mine while you think, if I that's did, helpful. I did okay. watch the entire season of Mandalorian. Let's do it. Which was great. Okay. I loved it. It was fabulous yeah i enjoyed the departure from the standard oh we're going to focus on the jedi and that aspect of star wars and everything and we're actually going to focus on mandalorians and i thought it was an interesting break too with where clone wars had brought in mandalorians Mm. because they had depicted mandalorians as kind of like a peace loving society Mm -hmm. whereas the extended universe had taken a completely different tack and said they're mercenaries right they're for hire. Yeah. They'll they'll kill whoever's yeah. on their list, and it's totally fine. Well, that's sort of a thing of old Star Wars, though, isn't it? I mean, right down to the planets. It's like Hoth is all ice and snow, or right. Tatooine is all sand. Like, that doesn't make sense, you know? And it's sort of true with characters, too. It's like, well, Boba Fett was a bounty hunter, so all Mandalorians must be, like, exactly ruthless bounty hunters. Yes. You know, it's kind of that's true. painting with a broad brush there, but... But it was a very kind of West... I felt It felt oh, very Western for sure. in a lot of ways. For sure. And even with the music and stuff, mm-hmm. the way that they had to be yeah. it felt very Western. Clearly tapping into that, you know, spaghetti Western kind of yes. Clint Eastwood, fistful of dollars kind of vibe. Yes, but not in a cheesy way. It was no. kind of, It was a nice nod, but still with that same sci-fi focus. Yeah. You know, I started The Mandalorian... And we, I don't know, we maybe watched the first two or three episodes and we didn't, like my wife and I were both kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, we weren't like swept up in it right away. We were just kind of like, okay, that's fun. And then we went for a long batch where we just didn't check back into it. And then we did. And I feel like that, maybe it's the third or fourth episode, but it really kind of takes off. And then it was like, as soon as it came out, we had to watch it, which is not unique. I feel like that's a pretty common thing. But yes, I feel like The Mandalorian revitalize star wars in a in a very unique way that i don't think the the new movies were able to do i agree though i will say force awakens was very exciting for me you know i think people have maybe soured on that movie a little bit and it's kind of hard i mean i feel like last jedi is a movie that's really almost impossible to do a sequel to you know because it kind (laughs) of cuts off all avenues of story um at, at least for like the saga that was being told and so Rise of Skywalker is problematic, but it's also like, what else do you do after right. The Last Jedi? Right. You and know? they packed so much into it, too. Yeah. It was very clear that they were like, we need to wrap all of these loose ends up. This is how we're going to do so it. So I did, I did feel that Star Wars excitement with The Force Awakens. I walked out of that movie very happy. I like, couldn't wait to see it again. Uh, but I feel like The Mandalorian was able to kind of revitalize it with a bit of a staying power that I don't think the new movies have really been able to do. So yes, I, I'm really glad that we checked back in and gave it a second chance because we really were very, very heavily invested into it. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the last episode twist? Do you think it's been long enough? I think so. All I right. So spoilers time. ahead. <laughs> yes. Spoilers. I can't stress this enough. <laughs> if you're planning on watching The Mandalorian. Mute. Yeah. Turn maybe just, uh, just give minutes. us a few minutes here. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So here we go. 
Spoilers! What did you think of the, the reveal at the end? You know, I I was very excited how they were leading up to it, and yeah. I almost felt a little bit of disappointment, I, believe it yes. or not. No, I, I do felt, believe it. I felt badly that I was disappointed, but at the same time, I was like, I thought it would be someone else. I know. I was hoping it would be someone else. I was hoping it would be someone else, because too. Because, I again, it was a, such a deviation yeah. from... like. There was this overarching, oh, this is what's happening in the Rebellion. This is what's happening mm-hmm. in the Empire. Yeah. But it was so far removed that you were like, oh, okay. I already know that storyline. Yeah. This is fine. It was like, I think I felt both things at once, you know, because it was really exciting to see that character come into that story. But it also is kind of like... Oh, but, but, you've, you've tainted it somehow. But can we not? <laughs> yes. You know? Like, <laughs> can we make it someone new? There's so many other things going on. And I feel like having it be that character... That's not really a story you can explore. Right. You know what I mean? It's because we already like, know how that plays out. Yeah, it feels like that story is done. Yeah, so, and it raises questions about, well, what happens to well, yeah, ex- I know, exactly. Country. So there's a lot of characters that I was hoping it would be. So I really felt the shock and the excitement of the reveal. But from a storytelling standpoint, I do feel like it was a wrong move. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I appreciated the revelation of Ahsoka coming into play. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. That, that I cool. liked that. Yeah. But with the newest character coming into play, yeah. I was like, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, because I mean, even an extended universe, which I realize is no longer yeah. a thing, yeah. But or with the Disneyfied version of Star Wars, yeah, we already know how both play out, yeah. And there's no mention, yeah, of any Baby Yoda whatsoever. And you're yeah. like, so does it, it become just, another Yoda? <laughs> I don't know. It, it sort of felt like a an easy like crowd cheering moment. Yes, but it just doesn't. But it was just that. It, it was just, just a moment. It just doesn't land story-wise. Yeah. yeah. It's like once the initial, like, the shock and the excitement fade away, you're kind of like, oh. Well, but, now what? But wait, that sucks, actually. Yes. <laughs> in hindsight. So. So true. Yeah. Mixed, mixed feelings on that. So it was definitely. a very, very cool reveal. I, I love the way that they kind of had that mystery element yeah. to it. And they, they brought him in and whatnot. And it was just this really yeah, cool you know. <laughs> force battle, lightsaber battle, et cetera. It was. And it's funny because you see the ship, you know, and you see the outfit and everything. And it's like. I didn't oh. think it was him at first. I was well, like, yeah. And it's so obvious. And it goes on for so long that you think, okay, well, now now this is a bait and switch. And then right. when it's not, it's also kind of like, oh. Oh, uh, okay. I did not expect that. So why the five minutes of mystery there? But okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. I am, I'm excited about season three, although I already miss Grogu. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm less interested in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have not not really been when disney did that drop of like here's all the star wars shows coming and it was just like a ticker tape of like this and this and this and this and this and this and this i was like maybe (laughs) let's not overload yeah let's we don't want to have another like you know how many star wars movies were announced that they were like no forget it cut cut uh so i don't know i don't know i'm actually i'm a little i guess we can we can transition to animation here for a moment because um i did binge the last season of rebels oh you finally did i did over the over the uh over the weekend because we watched it way back when it started and we were pretty current with seasons one and two and then season three for whatever reason we got kind of snagged on and weren't watching it as regularly and then you know it was all on disney plus we were like oh cool we can watch it whenever we want and then we just didn't right okay so again spoilers ahead people yeah Uh, how did you feel about the ending how they ended it and everything i you know I, I there was a while there where i felt like we were a little bit adrift okay you know um i love thrawn back from the old timothy zahn 
right. trilogy. Right, I same. haven't really enjoyed much Thrawn since then. I feel like Thrawn is the kind of character where his whole reputation is that he's just brilliant and unbeatable. Right. When you have him in a situation where he's constantly like bested, it sort of takes away from that. Yeah, that's So true. I feel like that's a character that's maybe you use that character gingerly or you run into the risk of him just being a buffoon. Right. And I think Rebels didn't always toe the right side of that line. You know, he definitely has some amazing moments as Thrawn in that, but there are also some times when I think like, so why does he have this reputation then? If he's, right, if he's continually bested by the Jedi. A little ragtag group of you know, think, rebels here. But. I think they would have run into the complication of being like, well, all right, are we going to make our villain far better than the Jedi are? Or yeah. are we ultimately going to let the good guys win? Right, yeah. I think maybe one way to accomplish that, and I think that's what kind of works about season four, is that for a long time, Thrawn, like in season three, is really the primary antagonist that they are dealing with, like, directly. Right. I think if Thrawn would have been a little bit more of, like, you know, sort of the big bad, and he had, like, a lieutenant who was really the main place where they were interacting, that maybe would have made a little bit better because there would have been that layer. But as it was, it was like sometimes Thrawn was in the room with them, and it was like... Right, and then he was bested by them. Yes, it was like, be better, bro. Oh, the tapestry. Yeah, so it's sort of like... But I love Rebels. I really right. do. I mean, that's it's one of my favorite Star Wars properties out there. I, I was determined not to like it at first. Really? Yes. Well, so it was, grumpy. I, I know. It was sort of in protest because, you know, Disney had taken over Star Wars yeah. and essentially eradicated the EU. Yes. And I was like, but I spent I, yeah. most of my childhood and adolescence you. reading mm-hmm. a lot of those books. And now you're saying that they're no longer a thing. And... But then I watched the the movie that they had made that was kind of leading into the show itself. And I watched it and I was like, oh, man. I know. All right, fine. I like this. You know, and I know there's criticisms of Rebels out there. And while we did get some legacy characters, you know, we see we see Obi-Wan and Yoda. We have a Leia episode. We have a Lando episode. Right. Those are things that are just sort of there as little, like, Easter eggs to enhance the plot of the Rebels. Right. They're never... The day of sex machina. You know what I mean? They're never the thing that's like, and now everything's saved because Leia's here. You know, it's just sort of like... Sort of like, it sort of seems like they were potentially doing with Mandalorian at the end. Mm, Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. (laughs) But that's what I like about it. They don't... I feel like more than just about any other Star Wars property, Rebels stands on its own. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's very much appreciated. It sprinkles in legacy characters just enough, you know? But it never... keep, Keep the old guard if you will focused yeah. and yeah. appreciative but it never steals the show and at the end of the day it's up to our main characters to yeah. solve the problem it's like cameos yeah exactly yeah, which I appreciated. we don't have we don't have i mean it doesn't end with like and now han solo's here you know what <laughs> right. i mean like it, he saves the day. that doesn't happen you know it's it's really it's it's about ezra and kanan and hera and yeah. sabine i mean it's that's the crew that gets you through so yeah, the I, ending was not my favorite, to be honest. Oh really? Yeah, I, interesting. Well, so okay, okay, when they killed when they killed off. Spoiler! spoiler we're spoiler, gonna spoil it. Yes, yes. <laughs> when they killed off. Spoilers! I did not believe he was dead. I didn't either. Uh, for like two or three episodes yeah. after that, I was thinking he's been knocked unconscious, yeah. can't access the force for whatever reason. Ezra's in such disarray yeah. that he can't sense him in the force, yeah. and somehow he's yeah. gonna be fine. And then no. <laughs> yep. And I thought actually that there was another season after that, oh. which I think is one of the reasons that I was holding on to so much hope. Okay. I was like, oh, they have a whole other season to resolve this problem. Yeah. And then I think it was one of my brothers who was like, oh, no, no, this is the last season. Yeah. I thought, 
what? They've only got like three episodes yeah. left. How are they going to work this out? Yeah. And then, of course, they don't end up working it out. And it's obvious that he's gone. And yeah. spoilers! Just kind of vanishes yeah. into space. And you're like, see, what's I, happening? See, I like that, though. Because to me, that feels very... I mean, there's Western elements to that. But it mm. it also is sort of plays into the original idea of Star Wars being like episodic serials or like Clone Wars where it's like you're not linear you're kind of dropped in and this is what's happening in this moment while Rebels was much more of a serialized story the fact that it ends on that sort of like the adventure continues that's true for me really landed but I get why it would be disappointing well I I'm always a happy endings person okay so I had anticipated Okay, we'll end on a happy note. And instead of it's more of this kind of yeah. dissonant waiting for closure note. Yeah. I thought that by... Because we start on Lothal, which is Ezra Bridger, who's a protagonist. Right. It, that's his home planet. And we kind of get away from that. And we gradually sort of refocus on that to have the ending be about freeing that planet, I feel like was really clever of them. It is nice in circular yes, storytelling. Because, like, it is great. You can't have them destroy the Empire. You know what I mean? You can't have them do something that's going to majorly <laughs> yeah, affect, you know, what's happening in the movies or whatever. So to give them a prize that's actually like very meaningful to the characters and for the narrative of the story but doesn't affect like the greater thing is really I just think a, a very clever writing and I found it clever. satisfying. It so. is very clever and I can totally see why they ended it in the ways that they did yeah. because if they didn't it becomes a question of yeah. Well, when Luke comes along, right, right. why isn't one of them training Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it does raise questions, and I get that why in the it context. It becomes a little that. bit more adult than I expected. That's true. You know there what I mean? Some, some of the themes that are, and... uh, that are covered, you know, just death and romance, and there's lots of elements that I wouldn't have expected, you know, yeah. that uh, I think play out really well. So if you haven't watched Rebels, I know we have some of it on DVD here. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. You? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's a very good series. See, now very we've well got uh, Bad Batch is dropping today, and I feel like I'm a little, I'm, I can't really watch it because I haven't watched all of Clone Wars. So I'm kind of disappointed in that. That it's Disney Plus. I know. Clone Wars. I know. Next but show. Like, I want to watch it. And so the fact that it's like the exact same animation. Oh, yeah. It's not really exciting for me in the way that I wanted it to be. Did you ever watch. So Cartoon Network years ago had like a a mini series that was of the clone wars yes it was like what five ten minute episodes yeah. or something like yeah. that and so it's very funny to go back and watch it now again i think disney plus has it they again. do they put it they just put out a whole vintage thing that includes the the ewok movies the ewok cartoon um that clone wars yeah, like yeah. micro series and the uh, animated segment from the holiday special. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I saw some of those. But the the miniseries itself, the animation is a bit different than mm-hmm. what they do for Rebels and yeah. Clone Wars. But the the concept is is quite different, especially in how they use the Force. Yeah. There, I mean, there's one episode in particular where Mace Windu jumps out of a gunship, lands in this very densely packed space with tons of super battle droids yeah. and, and just regular battle droids. And he just like force waves his hand and the whole lot of them just go flying backwards <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself why did it take so long to win the Cold right Wars yeah again? maybe do that more yeah yeah i know well that's always <laughs> a problem and that's that's true in rebels too sometimes it's just like push the man off the bridge right. you know what i mean just and they're like, like no can't give him a shove not do it. yeah they're very selective about that they are it's almost like they're yeah forgetful yep i have seen that i remember when it was on and actually we do have that on dvd in the collection here as well but um yeah i liked i remember liking it but yeah. i haven't seen it since 
2006 or I whenever felt like that was. Anakin so. was at his whiniest. In that that could be. Though I really like Matt Lantner, who voices Anakin in the Clone Wars stuff oh, yeah. that I've seen. Yeah. So I've seen like the movie. I saw the movie in theaters. Okay. And I'm pretty confident to say that I've seen the whole first season okay. of Clone Wars, but it was I was never like super devoted to it. But now that Rebels is finished, you know, I feel like, well, now go. I still kind of want to watch Star Wars. So maybe we'll go back and do it. It's <laughs> a good plan. My it's... wife, who is, you know, she's a big Star Wars fan, always has been. But I was kind of surprised that once we finished Rebels, I look over and she's like on her phone being like, but what happens? What happens next? Like she's trying to figure <laughs> out like where the story continues. And I'm yes. like, I don't think there is. And she's like, there must be. I saw some interview. I think it was with Dave Filoni who did a lot of the writing and producing and stuff for that show. Yeah. And he he had made some comment about rebels itself because again, people yeah. had come to him and been like, well, yeah. wait, you left things up in the yeah. air. What's happening. And he essentially just kind of said, you got to trust me on this. Yeah. And it's sort of like, again, that just leaves yeah. you up in the air of what well, are you doing? I think that's why anytime a cast is announced and there's not a name, like I remember in last Jedi, when Benicio del Toro was cast, everybody was like, Oh, he's definitely playing Ezra. He's going to play a grown up oh, yeah. Ezra. And of course he didn't. Right. And I think, like, there was also some speculation in The Mandalorian that maybe that was going to happen. Right. So, yeah, there has been a lot of speculation of his return yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. But then we haven't seen anything no, yet. No. So, but that just tells you. He's I mean, been put a, into a vault for a period of time. I guess so. Until the right time. I guess so. Mark. So that's probably been my biggest, uh, those, those two shows have been my biggest Star Wars during the time. Uh, Book-wise, the two I want to mention uh, in this past year are... The manga version of Claudia Gray's novel, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. The book is the book is decent. It falls into some YA tropes pretty heavily. But it does a good job of tying together events from the prequel series, the original trilogy, and the sequel trilogy. Okay. And the, it's uh, been adapted to manga by Haruchi. And only the first volume's out now, but it's coming out of its hiatus, and another volume's going to come. I really enjoyed the first volume. I think whether you've read the book or not, the manga is really good. There's also a Rebels manga that's, I think, two volumes in so far. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't read it. But book-wise, uh, Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. This is one that actually does serve to flesh out Rise of Skywalker a little bit. It's a YA. Get a little bit more on Poe. And it manages to do character development and have some stakes uh, and still kind of fit within the confines of the movie. So I was oh, nice. impressed by that. So those are the two that I would recommend. Uh, any Star Wars books that you've read in the last year that you want to toss out here? Would you believe I've been rather lax in my Star Wars books? I, I'm no, I, know. I won't believe it. I'm shocked. I refuse to accept it. All right, let's move on to the graphic novel. This is in the Legends canon, so you know the you old school, early Marvel comics. Yep, done for. We read Star Wars <laughs> Legends Forever Crimson. This is by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. Okay, are you ready, Amanda? I'm ready. A Star Wars saga, decades in the making. Meets a droid hating Valance the Hunter, who's hot on the trail of Luke Skywalker. Will his destiny end? by finding the rebel hero or in a deadly confrontation with Darth Vader. Then on a routine X-Wing patrol, Luke and his squadron find a derelict Imperial Star Destroyer with everyone on board dead and their skin turned crimson. Very Star Trek-y, that plot, so by the weird. way. When the virus responsible leaves Luke in a coma, Han Solo and his allies face a race against time to cure the mysterious malady. Then in the landmark Star Wars number 108, return at last to the classic Marvel galaxy of a long time ago, continuing the stories of Valance and the Crimson Forever. And you won't believe which characters return. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I had a good time with this graphic novel. I'm going to tell you right up front. Yeah. Did you like it? I did enjoy it, but you're right. It was very Star Trek-y. <laughs> yeah, it was. And there was... 
There was very interestingly, there was one uh, tidbit, there's one panel that said something like, they're going to warp. Yeah. And I was like, warp is not a thing in Star I know, Wars. I know. Yeah. So that made me laugh a lot. But it was an interesting concept. And I, I kind of enjoyed the very 50s-esque mm-hmm. uh, graphics to it. Yeah. And even though at one point it did kind of adapt to more of a modernistic feel, uh-huh. it continued the same storyline. So, And it was interesting in concept, just this kind it of was. crimson fever yeah. that takes over people. Yeah, and I, I really like this stuff with Valance. You know, just yeah. this sort of like... You know, it's it's kind of a classic trope of this character, like coming to grips with his own humanity. Right. You know, but I still thought it was fun. But it did have that vibe of, you know, more like movie serials. Like, I mean, that, and that's kind of the basis for, you know, George Lucas's vision of Star Wars. But it definitely had shades of Star Trek and Buck Rogers and that sort of thing. Right. In it. Very so episodic in a just interesting to see the Star Wars world really before it's developed as tightly as it has at this point. Right. So, yeah, this was fun. I haven't read a lot of the early Star Wars comics. I think I've read the like the movie adaptations and stuff, but right. um, I don't think I've read a lot of the single issues or a lot of these collected arcs, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and it reminded me a little bit of like Splinter of the Mind's Eye, yes. that very early Yeah, book Alan Dean written. Foster. Yes, yeah. yes, bringing him back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because there was so much freedom there to just yeah. sort of... You do whatever you want. Yeah, span out in any direction that you wanted to, bring in any characters that you wanted to, mm-hmm. just make it up as you go, which yeah. they very they very much did in yeah. that book, and they've kind of done in this particular series as well, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. It's a much more pulpy version of the characters, but I still think they're recognizable as the characters that you know. Right. You mentioned Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and I, I do love that book, which is clearly just kind of like out of left field. Right, you know, it is. It's so early it in it. Uh, but there is a graphic novel adaptation of that, which okay. is very cool. So if you've never read that, it is on Marvel Unlimited, and I think it's in print as well, but that's a lot of fun. Uh, and I also liked in this collection, we have a more modern comic where they sort of do a throwback issue where they bring back Valance and Crimson Forever and everything. Yeah, that's true. And that was neat to see them in, in a more modern style address some of these pretty goofy like 70s plot lines <laughs> yes but no i thought that was a lot of fun and that was that was one that uh i would recommend that to yeah. us to a star wars fan it's yeah. unusual it is know, unusual always... but it's a very quick read mm-hmm. and if if you're going through your side effect symptoms yes. from your second covid yep. shot yes. you can definitely read it oh is that, that what time. you did that was your yes, thing that was my thing yeah. i was like just sitting on the couch doing this this yeah. is fine yeah, oh, my fever, crimson fever, fever. That makes perfect fitting, sense. Yes. You read that. I uh, shivered in bed for hours and oh. hours and hours. So, you know, I don't we, think my fever was as high. We had as a yours. little, uh, little different. You nearly succumbed there. to the crimson fever. <laughs> I, I darn near did. Did your You're eyes turn kidding. red? Was You're Hillary really worried? <laughs> she was. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. But I'm all, I'm all vaxxed now. So there you go. So now this and is wearing like your a red shirt. Oh yeah. This is dangerous for Star Trek. I know people. you're right. This <laughs> is a, uh, this has become a PA now about going out and get your vaccination. Amanda and I, two shots in, and we're both still on our feet. So, yep, still kicking. Good news. Do you have any Star Wars plans for May the Fourth? You gonna rewatch anything? You gonna? I have been thinking about restarting the the movies actually, and just going through chronologically and watching those. Chronologically, well, no, no, wait, I take it back. I'm sorry. Watching them original four, five, and six, and then one, two, and three, okay, seven, eight, nine. I see. Yes. So, when you do a rewatch, are you going to include like a Rogue One or a Solo or? Um. No, I think not in this time around. Okay. It'll probably just be the standard. The classics. Sto- yeah, the, the classic storylines. Yeah. 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 I did really appreciate Rogue One. That was very well done. Mm. But again, very sad in a lot True. of ways. Yeah. But, but again, you know, yeah. just referencing Rebels in terms of 
sorry, they had to die. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. they would need to come into exactly. the actual storylines exactly. of the other movies. I had a good time with Solo. Okay. And I know that's like a minority opinion, but I just thought it was a fun... I just thought it was fun. It's you know, very like it interesting. Try to do anything. The polarization on that, like some people like love it, and some people like yeah. hate it. And typically, there's not much of a middle I know. ground. Well, I was first in line of being like, "Don't do a solo movie. That's so stupid." Right. Why and I still, honestly, still feel like it was a dumb thing to do and a bad idea. Right. But I think the movie that we got out of it, to me, was just a fun adventure movie, and I was fine with that. Right. You know, um, I think I, I don't know. You know, usually when we do a rewatch. Um, we will watch the Clone Wars movie just because I much prefer that version of Anakin oh, to yeah. the Hayden Christensen version. Yeah. Um, but I think if we ever were to do it again, and we sort of, like, so far we've introduced our son, who's six, to uh, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, nice. Uh, so, I, you know, maybe when we go through again, we'll include those. I could see doing that. I'm a completist, you know. I'm very interested to see, uh, since we're talking Star Wars, what Let's they do, do with the Obi-Wan TV show that's Right. Coming up. I know. That was the thing that was like, everybody wanted it. Ewan right. McGregor was up for it. It's right. like, why has it and taken this long? And he was like long? promoting it himself. He was yeah. like, I, I would love to He's do He's like, it. I'll do it. I'm there. It. Sign me up. <laughs> I don't know why you ever wait to do something like right. that. Right. It's so true. You know. and, yeah, that is. you know, I've heard, uh, not rumor, I think it's more official now that Hayden Christensen I think that. I think they've confirmed that. Yeah. That's so crazy. I'm interested to see, especially with all the feedback that they've gotten about his ability to True. portray the character yeah. or just what he had to work with, what they'll do to tweak that and yeah. try and actually help develop his character. It would more. be really interesting if that, if Hayden Christensen had sort of a redemption and got the chance to actually like right. do a good right. job at Darth Vader. That's not something I'm going to hold my breath on, but I would <laughs> like to see it. You yes, know, I think I would that like, would be worth it. I'd like it. to see uh, in full swing with his character yes. since he was redeemed, just yeah. seeing the actor's ability to redeem the character. I agree. That would I be, agree. That would be a nice full circle. Well, I think we're going to maybe watch the the Bad Batch episodes from Clone Wars just so we can keep up with the new show and okay. probably go back and revisit Clone Wars too. But, you know, it's so nonlinear. I feel like I'd be okay doing that. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that since you've already got some of the Clone Wars under your yeah. belt and, of course, you know the storyline. Yeah. I don't think it would be far outreaching to just start. Yeah, and of course, a lot of the Clone Wars characters do do make uh, some more than others, but do make an impact in Rebels. You know, you you see them a lot. So there's a lot of characters I think that I am familiar with. But, you know, I'd like to keep up with the new show. I don't know that I want to, like, watch seven seasons of Clone Wars in order to do that right (laughs) Right. off the bat, you know. But I, I think finishing Rebels has sort of given me the kick to actually, like, sit down and do Clone Wars. Because I... I think it's just like gets universal praise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it was only just like at the time when it was on originally, you know, I was like, why don't, why does this, how does this connect to the previous episode? It's hard to kind of reset your mind. That's true. For that. But I feel like now I could just kind of watch them each as one-offs or arcs, you know? So yeah, that's, uh, that's probably what we'll do, but I would like to catch up with uh, at least the bad batch episode so that we can, uh, we can watch the new show. Any Star Wars books on your to-read list looking to the future? Mm. Well, I mean, there is the second one from the High Republic series yeah. that we talked about. Yeah. Because I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful. And that Claudia Gray's YA is out there. And that's, that's true. You know, she's she's pretty reliable. That's true. That's true. Okay. I have not read, and this came out a few years ago, I've not read, I think it's just called Kenobi. Oh, I've read that. Yeah, I think yeah. Eric read it too, and he yeah. had mentioned that he really liked it. Yeah. Um, so that would be interesting to see just how they kind of take his character and develop yeah. him on the world of Tatooine. It's an interesting time. I er, that was when we were divided on. Eric loved the book. I didn't. It didn't really click for me. Oh, okay. But we do have it in the collection here, so you can check it out. That's true. Anytime we have actually a pretty we robust do have a Star really Wars nice collection. collection. So. 
Yeah, if you're a fan, this this is definitely the place to come. I gotta say, I do geek out a little bit when I go downstairs to the sci-fi section. Yeah. and I just see the, I know the row, several rows worth of Star Wars books we well, have sitting there. You know, a couple of times nice. we've gotten big batches of donations, and they're not widely held in the system. That's and I'm true. just like, I mean, they're Put free. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we might as well. So yeah, we do have we do have quite a bit of expanded universe and things. Uh, I you know I do this book club with some friends, and we alternate between Star Trek and Star Wars. And we've been talking about trying the New Jedi Order a little bit. None of us have ever read any of those books, like Vector Prime and oh, uh, I have read things some like of those. that. Have you? Okay, so Vector Prime, I know that's the first one of it the is. New Jedi Order, yeah. and that one was very hard to get. I think again, oh, really? Darn. they did some elements of like High Republic. Oh, and where it's like this is everything. So many new characters. Mm. Well, because it introduces like this new enemy, and yeah, all that's of them. Bong stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, Bong okay. and everything. So that's hard, but. To be honest, I think I read half of that, and then I skipped ahead slightly. <laughs> oh, so and that's it was good, okay. That's a good note. Yeah, that's yeah. a good note. So just FYI, I mean, maybe maybe at this point it would be easier to read it, but okay. it is a good series. It's dark in a lot of ways. That's Darker, what I hear. I feel like than even just the Empire yeah. were. And well, it's an interesting. It's funny. I've read a lot before and after the and everything after references it so heavily. It's just oh, like, it's geez, yeah. I need to at least get one of these under my belt. Did you read the series just following the? The New Jedi Order. Um, I read the Dark Nest trilogy. Nope, the one after that. Oh, the, the one Fate where... of the Jedi. Maybe that was it. I can't remember for sure. I read. Yeah, I think it was Fate of the Jedi. That's like kind of Jason... about. Yes. Yes. I've read the first two. Okay. All right. I won't spoil anything. My there. brother loves those. That's like his favorite. They're, they're Star very Wars. well done. Yeah. I'm not happy with some of the choices oh, they made with some of the characters. To okay. be honest. All right. Oh, especially because, like, I, I don't know if you've read it or not, the the Young Jedi Knight series. I so have when, read several of those, yeah. Okay, yeah, Jaina and Jason yeah. end up going to the Academy and everything, mm-hmm. learning their Jedi skills, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So it actually harkens back to that, the, the Fate of the Jedi series does in a lot of different ways. And it, it's like a pull at your heartstrings kind of thing. Okay. And just to see the the vast change between some of the characters from mm. that period to now. Just inconsistent? Yeah. Well, some of them stay some of them stay consistent throughout, okay. but then some of them have drastic changes. Oh, that that's occur. a pain. And some of that is because of like the, the Yuzhan Vong era right. and just all of the impact that that had yeah. on them. So, and, and you know, it references a lot of ways to how, what war can do yeah. to a, a person over time and how it changes them or affects mm-hmm. their mindset, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very interesting just to see that kind of transition from, oh, this is who they were, young and innocent, yeah. to now, quote mm-hmm. unquote, that period of time where they are in Fate of the Jedi. Okay. Tough sell. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, it's very well written, though. They do a really good job. My favorites of Star Wars novels, uh, nothing has changed their ranking. Oh, so still I will just, Timothy's on. Yeah. Yep. I'll just briefly tell you. I mean, for me, it's the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, there's a there's a Jedi healer duology Ooh, battle yes. surgeons. With I Luminara uh, or Barris. Absolutely love those. Yep. Those might edge out the Zon trilogy for me. I just I think they're so good. They're, they're so unusual. Good. Um, I really like Republic Commando. I really like the Splinter of the Mind's Eye graphic novel. It's, yep. You get to see Leia with a lightsaber, which is my favorite. Yeah, that's cool. AC Crispin's uh, Han Solo trilogy. The Corellian trilogy by Roger Allen McBride. I mean, that those those good. are still the ones that always come to the top for me. Same. What about you? What are some of yours? Yeah, I really enjoyed the Jedi Academy trilogy that Zahn did, and even some of the Jedi Academy. That's 
Do you mean Kevin J. Anderson's Jedi Academy trilogy, or do you mean the Thrawn trilogy? Oh, sorry, I meant Thrawn trilogy. Okay, Jedi Academy trilogy is also good. It too. is pretty good. I yeah, that. but then also Timothy Zahn did a duology. The oh yeah, Spectre of the Past, past Vision, of the, Vision of the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of those were really good. Pretty again, solid. Yep. Focusing on Thrawn. Yes. Which was very interesting. I, I have that. not liked the modern Thrawn stuff. I tried so hard. I haven't even read some of it, yeah, to be honest. I don't know. And part of me was like, I don't know if I can do yeah. it, to be honest. And did you read the um, the Clone Wars series that Karen Travis was writing? I read uh, Hard Contact. Okay. That's the only one that I read, but I absolutely loved it. it was I always really intended good. to read more. Yeah, the rest of them are really good. I felt kind of badly for her just because it was during that time period that Disney had taken over, and oh. essentially they were like, shut it down. You're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so rough. she had to try and figure out, how am I going to wrap this up? Yeah. When in reality, she had so much more content that she yeah. was going to try and work with. Yeah. So, and that was hard. And it, <clears throat> it was cool, too, because it did add elements of Republic Commando. Mm-hmm. And having played the game when I was growing I up. I love that game. Oh, yeah, such a fabulous it's, it's very game. Good. I only played that recently, actually. Oh, it's such very a good game. Very good. And yeah, they ended it on such a cliffhanger. You're like, what I know. happens? What yeah, happens? Yeah, yeah. And they've never done anything with it since. Yeah. So I would be very hopeful if, uh, it would be very lovely if Disney did a follow-up. Yeah. And did it well. Yeah. You know what? I also finished that, the new Star Wars game. And last time Ooh, we were... I have been playing... I have not called? finished it. What is it called? Uh, Fallen Order. Yes, Fallen Order. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, so I, I also finished Fallen Order since we last spoke. And I started... I still have some criticisms of the game. It still sort of feels like an old-style game to me in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of repetitiveness with maps. You find I found oh, myself yeah. like going back to the same planet. Yes. And the mission was different, but it's like, I don't want to walk through this again. Kind of like KOTOR, mm, a little bit. Mm. Or some elements of it, yeah. but more in-depth almost. Okay. So, but I ended up really enjoying it. That's the I, yeah. That's I haven't the finished the game. There. I've been playing the game through to a degree, and you're right; it does have a lot of elements of just continually going back to similar yes, planets. Yes, I don't want to be here again. And it's sort of like, in some ways, like a Lara Croft game. I don't know if you played any yes, of those. Yeah, where you have to, you have to master your climbing skills, yep. and you have to kind of think through. Okay, how am I going to do this? And to be honest, some of my brothers hated those games yeah. because they were like, "Look, you do the same jump. I did mm-hmm. that jump, and she didn't grab the ledge. Yeah, and I know. fell to her death." Well, that's definitely true. And I had just finished the well, not just, but in in you know the past couple of years, played through all of the Uncharted games, and I oh, couldn't yeah. help but see that oh, comparison like as well. And it was like not as good as far as like. The, the climbing and some of the way you interact with oh, the levels. And okay. so that was a hard comparison to That's make. That's unfortunate. But, yep. Uh, there is a, there's a graphic novel called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple. Oh, yeah. By Matthew I've, Rosenberg. I've seen, I've seen the book and I've looked at it limitedly. Like I haven't read it through thoroughly, but. It gives you a little bit of background on the world, but it's not one where if you don't play the game, you'd be lost. It's really, it has some characters in common and kind of sets up like this is where things are at the moment, but that, that works as a standalone very well. But yes, I, I did enjoy that game and I'm looking forward to whatever comes next game wise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That will be good. All right. Well, light of the Jedi was maybe a thumbs <laughs> down. Yeah. The, Not the best. Right. Yeah. But, but hopeful but, for the second. That's right. Our graphic novel, we liked a little bit better. So you can check both of those out. The graphic novels, Forever Crimson, the book Light of the Jedi, we have both right here in the collection. You can come check it out. You can also go to soundcloud.com slash all the books for all of our old episodes, but also we have a special Star Wars playlist that includes uh, Amanda's previous guest spots as well as our interviews with authors like Alan Dean Foster, Justine Ireland, and many others. So go check that out over at uh, SoundCloud or anywhere you get your podcasts. Amanda, as always, thanks for joining me. 
No problem. Thank you. I'll see you next Star Wars day. Next Star Wars and, day. And, you know, every other day because uh, yeah. we work together regularly. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of How's Things. On the next regular episode, Sally Jacoby Murphy's going to be here and we're talking Ta-Nehisi Coates. And then after that, a new special interview with author Tess Gerritsen. So stick around for those. We'll see you then. Thank you.